Thank you, choir, for reminding us of what we believe, the sound doctrine, of the truth of Scripture, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, our Trinitarian understanding of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, the work that Christ has done in His crucifixion and resurrection, and what He's going to do when He comes again, and then the work in us, the change that takes place in us as we are made new and brought to life through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, That is the heart of who we are as Christians. It's the heart of who we are as a church. And it's just so good for us to constantly be reminded of the truth of the gospel, which is exactly what Paul writes about in his letter to the Galatians. And so if you have your Bible, I hope that you do. Uh, Please open up to Galatians chapter 6, chapter 6. We're going to be just in three verses today, verses 11 through 13. We're going to look at these three verses uh, this morning. Gospel boasting, wrong boasting exposed. Gospel boasting, this is a theme of this final section of Paul's letter. And uh, today we're going to look at wrong boasting exposed. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. Anybody in here ever written a letter to someone? Some people may not have done that, right? Maybe, maybe you have never written a letter. Uh, but I'm, I'm guessing that most of you have written a letter to someone. Um, and depending on the length of it, if it was a little bit longer letter um, and just a little, a little post-it note, a little letter that you passed in class to somebody, um, if it had any length to it, you probably ended your letter maybe by uh, a short little phrase or a couple of sentences, uh, or if it was a really long letter, a whole paragraph summarizing your main points in writing that letter. Uh, Perhaps if it was a love letter, uh, maybe you summarized it with just three words. I love you. Right. Maybe maybe that was the way that you summarized the letter. Uh, Or or you can can think about letters that you've written in the past and how you may have summarized it. Well, that's exactly what what we see Paul doing here as we get to the final section of his letter to the Galatians. The conclusion to this letter is found in chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. You can look, look and scan your eyes through those verses. This is the conclusion of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Now, this conclusion can be divided into a couple of parts. Part 1 is found in verses 11 through 13, and this has to do with a wrong kind of boasting. Then the second part of the conclusion is found in verses 14 through 18, and the focus there is on the right kind of boasting. And if you look at the last phrase of verse 13 and the first part of verse 14, right there in the middle of this closing of his letter, we can get the main idea of this passage of Scripture. Notice, the end of verse 13 says, "...but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh." But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The focus here, the main idea, is a wrong kind of boasting and a right kind of boasting. And today we want to look at the first kind of boasting, which is the wrong kind of boasting. So here's the main point for today. Boasting in the flesh exposes a works-based salvation. Boasting in the flesh exposes a works-based salvation. Now, if you'll recall, 
as we've studied through this letter to the Galatians, we've seen that Paul is writing to these churches and these Christians in these churches who have been exposed to a false teaching. And these false teachers have come in, and they're a particular kind of false teacher. They're what we often call Judaizers. They're, they're Jews who are trying to get these Christians to believe that they must obey the Old Testament law if they really want to be saved. Now, in this passage, we'll also see the word circumcised several times, and we've seen that throughout this letter. Circumcision, if you will, was the, the, the kind of beginning point of a life of trying to be obedient to the Old Testament law. So we can think about it as representing uh, adhering to this set of rules in order to be accepted by God. Now, of course, that's not the true gospel of grace. That's a works-based salvation. So Paul is writing in this letter to defend the true gospel, which is grace-based, against the claims of these Jewish false teachers who, by insisting upon adherence to the law of Moses, are proclaiming a works-based salvation. And a grace-based salvation which is the true gospel, and a works-based salvation, which is a false gospel, stand at complete odds with one another. So if you will, follow along with me in your copy of God's Word as we read these three verses. Verse 11 through 13. Paul says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, would you help us to understand these words this morning? Father, speak truth into our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit who is at work in us here in this place today. Father, expose any evil inside of us. Expose any wrong boasting that may dwell within us. And Father, lead us to the cross. Lead us to Jesus. Help us to look to Him as our only boast. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Boasting in the flesh exposes a works-based salvation. Sometimes, boasting in the flesh is obvious. Right? You can kind of tell when somebody's being arrogant and bragging and that kind of thing, boasting in the flesh. Hey, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. Um, but sometimes boasting in the flesh is a little less obvious. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes boasting in the flesh is hidden behind a facade of religious activity. Or sometimes it's hidden behind a facade of social acceptance. And so, a question for us is, how do I know if I'm boasting in the flesh, if I'm doing this wrong kind of boasting? I want us to notice three ways that boasting in the flesh is exposed in this passage and how these things, these uh, ways of boasting in the flesh are opposed to the true gospel of Jesus. First, I want us to see this. Boasting in the flesh is exposed by self-promotion. Boasting in the flesh is exposed by self-promotion, but Jesus calls us to self-denial. Boasting in the flesh is exposed by self-promotion, but Jesus calls us to self-denial. Now, notice verse 11. Verse 11 is a little interesting. 
Um, Paul says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Well, what in the world is that verse doing there? Uh, what's Paul talking about? Well, it seems that normally when, when Paul wrote a letter, he wasn't the one who was actually putting the, the, the pen to the paper, so to speak. He was dictating the words to someone that was called, and uh, we could call it a secretary or something like that. I'll give you the fancy word. Fancy word is amanuensis. I don't even know if I said that right, okay? Um, amanuensis. And amanuensis is somebody who writes down what another person is telling them to write down, okay? Kind of like a scribe, maybe. And so Paul, when he wrote a lot of his letters, he would have spoken the words to someone who was actually sitting there at the desk or wherever they were, actually writing down the, the words. For instance, in Romans chapter 16, verse 22, a book that Paul wrote, very obvious that he is the author of it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 16, verse 22, we find these words, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. When we read that, and we say, well, I thought Paul was the one writing this letter. Well, Paul was the author of it, but it seems that Tertius was the one who was listening to Paul dictate the words, and then Tertius was the one actually writing down these words. Um, and so even though Paul used an amanuensis or a, a scribe or a secretary, um, however you want to say that, normally he himself picked up the pen and wrote the final greeting. It's called a final greeting. It's a conclusion. He would write that with his own, own hand. Notice the endings of three of Paul's other New Testament letters. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 21, we find these words. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Colossians chapter 4, verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 17. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. So when Paul wrote his letters, it seems that more often than not, he spoke the letters to someone who then copied it down. When he got to the closing words or closing paragraph, he said, all right, hand me the pen and I'm going to write it. So he says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Well, then we ask this other question. Uh, why, is, why does he write with large letters? We really don't know. I don't know if you ask yourself that question. Um, there's, some, there's some possibilities there of why he may have wrote with large letters. It could have been that he had really bad vision. We have evidence here in Galatians, Galatians chapter 4, verse 15, and uh, possibly in other places in the New Testament, that Paul had some, some kind of eye issue, some kind of trouble with his eyes. So perhaps he wrote with large letters because he couldn't see well, right? Um, he, he, he just had to do that so that he could see what he was writing. Perhaps there was some kind of injury to his hand that he had withstand during um, an accident or even during persecution. We'll talk about some of that persecution in just a few moments. And so because his hand was, was injured, he couldn't write well, and so it ended up being really big letters. Maybe he chose to write in big letters just to emphasize what he was saying. Um, but at the end of the day, we really aren't sure uh, why Paul is writing with these really large letters, these large handwritings. But as he picks up the pen himself, Paul is not simply going to wish them well as he closes out this letter. See, in a lot of Paul's letters, the way he closed out the letter was very, very encouraging. And, hey, I, we greet you. These people who are with me greet you. Greet this person and this person and this person. And Lord, somehow, sometimes he'll name people by names. Kind of ends on this kind of goodbye, see you later, we love you kind of tone. 
But Paul doesn't end this letter quite that way. As one commentator put it, Paul closes with a, quote, parting blow to these false teachers, these Judaizers, these troublers, as he calls them in chapter 1, verse 7, and in chapter 5, verse 10. But notice then in verse 12, the motivation of these Judaizers. They were trying to force the Galatians to be circumcised in order to, as he says, make a good showing in the flesh. Now, as this passage reveals, these false teachers were really being deceptive and hypocritical. Their primary motivation wasn't the salvation of the Galatians, but the promotion of themselves. I think it's safe to say that they probably didn't show up there in the churches of Galatia with a message like this. Hey, uh, Galatians, you, you should be circumcised. You should follow all the Old Testament law. Um, and the whole reason that we sh- you should do this is so that we look better, so that we can make a, a good name for ourselves back when we go back to Jerusalem to those who sent us here. So that we'll get a promotion from them. Now, they probably didn't come in like that. False teachers are normally deceptive, right? And they probably came in more along these lines. Hey, Galatians, don't you want to be really saved? I, I know that Paul came and he told you all you have to do is believe in Jesus. But that's not entirely true. You have to you have to do good works. In fact, you have to be obedient to all the Old Testament law. If you want to really be saved now, don't you want to have eternal life? But Paul exposes the heart behind what was going on. All they wanted to do was make a good showing in the flesh. Now, remember back to the beginning of the letter. Paul called this message that the Judaizers were teaching. He called it no gospel at all. He called it a distortion or perversion, a twisting of the real and true gospel. You can read about that back in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, 8, 9. But notice the deception here. Paul's already exposed the bad theology, the bad doctrine of these false teachers. Now he's exposing the heart behind why they are even here in the first place and why they are saying what they are saying. He exposes their motivation. These false teachers really don't care about the souls of the Galatians. All they care about is making a good showing for themselves in the flesh, making a name for themselves. They want to look good in front of their peers and their superiors back in Jerusalem where they came from. They were more concerned with earthly popularity than with theological accuracy. They were more concerned with their appearance before man than their appearance before God. They were concerned with self-promotion. And this self-promotion really is a characteristic of a works-based salvation. Here we see self-promotion in the eyes of others, but we can rest assured that they were also trying to promote themselves in the eyes of God, too. If they believed that faith in Jesus was not enough, which is what they were preaching, if they believed that faith in Jesus was not enough and they had to somehow add good works or obedience to the Old Testament law, they had to add that to what Jesus did on the cross in order to truly be justified before God, then the only reason to be obedient to the law was to be able to say, hey, God, look at what I've done. That's self-promotion. Hey, God, look at what I've done. You should accept me because of what I have done. They tried to adhere to the law so that God would notice their obedience and reward them with salvation. But think about it. Think about that attitude in light of Jesus and what he preached and the gospel that he proclaimed. 
in place of self-promotion, the power of the true gospel of grace radically transforms our hearts from self-promotion to self-denial. Jesus told his followers this. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. True Christianity is about denying any self-centered claim that I can save myself or that I can earn God's love or, or that I'm somehow good rather than sinful. Instead, Christianity, the true gospel, it calls me and it calls you to lay down our self-trust to deny ourselves, to stop promoting ourselves, and to trust in Christ alone for salvation. See, self-promotion, which is what these, these Judaizers, these false teachers were all about, it exposes an attitude of boasting in the flesh, which is the wrong kind of boasting because it stands in opposition to the true gospel, true message of Jesus Christ. But there's a second way that this wrong boasting is exposed in this passage. Truth number two, boasting in the flesh is exposed by self-preservation. Self-preservation. But Jesus calls us to self-sacrifice. Boasting in the flesh is exposed by self-preservation. But Jesus calls us to self-sacrifice. Notice in the second half of verse 12, Paul gives another reason why these false teachers are saying that the sacrifice of Jesus is not enough, but that obedience to the Old Testament law must be added to faith in Jesus in order to truly be saved. Not only are they motivated by a desire for self-promotion, they're motivated by a desire for self-preservation. Look there at verse 12. The second half says, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They're coming and trying to force you Galatians to be circumcised. One, because they're trying to make a good showing in the flesh, but also because they don't want to be persecuted. They're trying to preserve their flesh. They're trying to save their skin, so to speak. They're consumed with self-preservation. And by self, we're talking about that in an earthly, physical sense. Paul says that they're, they're, they're doing this in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And we know from Galatians and the rest of the New Testament that Christians often suffered persecution, not only from the Romans or other pagan cultures, but also at the hand of the Jews themselves. Paul, who was a Jew from birth, has already admitted back in chapter 1 that before his conversion to Christianity, when he was a practicing Jew, he persecuted Christians. We know that, too, from our study of the book of Acts. Then, after he received salvation through Jesus, he found himself on the receiving end of that Jewish persecution. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, Paul says this, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. So, here's a question. Why would there have been such animosity, such hatred from the Jews towards Christianity and those who were Christians? Well, these Jewish false teachers, just like many other Jews, thought that they could attain salvation through obedience to the Old Testament law. However, the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross to rescue us proves that the law can never save. 
Jesus wouldn't have had to do that if the law could save us. And therefore, the cross was and is a call to admit total failure. Let me say that one more time. The cross was and is a call to admit total failure. The cross is a call to admit something that we as prideful humans don't like to admit. You ready? Here's here's what we don't like to admit. I can't do it. We don't like to say that, do we? We don't like to say, I need help. We want to think that we can do it on our own. And so the cross is offensive to those who think they can be accepted by God based on their own works. So preaching the cross, preaching the salvation through faith alone and Jesus alone was offensive to those Jews who were trusting in circumcision and other attempts at obedience to the law. Paul said as much in chapter 5, verse 11, where he wrote, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So Paul exposes an underlying motivation of these false teachers, escape from persecution. They were trying to save their own hide. They wanted to make a good showing in the flesh in front of their Jewish kindred in order to escape persecution. They were more concerned with temporarily preserving their flesh than with eternally preserving their soul. But you see, just like self-promotion was the opposite of the true gospel, self-preservation is the opposite of the life that the true gospel of Jesus calls us to. Remember that verse we looked at just a minute ago in Luke chapter 9, verse 23? Well, I only read part of it. I want to read the rest of it. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus told his disciples that they were to take up their cross and follow him. Now, remember, the cross was an instrument of torture and death. Jesus was on his way to be crucified. The the cross, death, what in the world is Jesus saying? He's saying that if we follow him, we can expect persecution and potential death for trusting in him. But we're to follow him no matter the cost. Instead of self-preservation, the true gospel of Jesus is really a call to self-sacrifice. Not sacrificing myself in the sense that I'm sacrificing myself to pay for my sins. Only Jesus' sacrifice can pay for my sins. But when I trust in Jesus, I am in a sense joining him in his death. And so I can expect that I will be called upon to sacrifice myself as I follow him. The true gospel is a call to view our earthly bodies as expendable for the sake of knowing and treasuring Jesus. After Luke's, after Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He then said this, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his, say, his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the, of the holy angels. 
You see what Jesus is saying? It's the exact opposite of what the false teachers were saying. They were trying to preserve their physical bodies, and in the process, they were damning their souls. But the true gospel calls us to trust in Jesus no matter the cost here on this earth. And then what happens as a result is our souls are safe for all of eternity. See, boasting in the flesh exposes an underlying desire of selfish self-preservation, which reveals a belief in a false gospel, a gospel at odds with the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of grace. Someone who's been transformed by this gospel of Jesus Christ, this gospel of grace, will enjoy, notice what I'm saying, enjoy sacrificing their own wants their own comforts, their own possessions, and even their own physical lives so that others can hear and believe the true gospel, not these false teachers. If you're always looking out for your own earthly comfort and safety, you're probably believing a false gospel based on your works rather than the cross of Christ. And Time will not allow to go into detail but about examples, but this false gospel that really is focused on self-preservation is rampant in our society. It's rampant. A gospel that's all about you escaping the temporary sufferings of this world. But at the same time, those false gospels lead straight to an eternal suffering in hell. Speaking of the cross here, we begin to see clearly two things Paul sets in opposition to one another in this closing passage. Circumcision versus the cross. Paul seems to narrow these two types of boasting which result from two views of salvation down to two words. Circumcision and cross. Remember, circumcision stands for reliance upon the law for justification before God, while the cross stands for reliance upon Jesus for justification. Circumcision is about human effort. The cross is about God's effort. Circumcision is centered on man's work. The cross is centered on God's grace. And this leads us into verse 13 and truth number 3. Truth number 3 is this. Boasting in the flesh is exposed by self-validation. But Jesus calls us to the cross. Boasting in the flesh is exposed by self-validation. But Jesus calls us to the cross. Verse 13, in some ways, is really just a restatement of the first half of verse 12. The false teachers are preaching circumcision from hearts of pride and arrogance. They want to be seen by their Jewish peers. In verse 12, we were told that they want to make a good showing in the flesh. And at the end of verse 13, Paul says that they want to boast in your flesh. Literally, Paul probably meant that they wanted to be able to go back to Jerusalem and boast about how many men they had circumcised. A literal boasting in the flesh. But notice that the first part of verse 12 exposes the hypocrisy of these, excuse me, verse 13 exposes the hypocrisy of these false teachers. Paul writes, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. These Judaizers were telling the Galatians, hey Galatians, if you want to really be saved, you've got to keep all the law. But they themselves, who were preaching that message, weren't keeping all of the law. They were hypocrites. They were trusting in their human achievements to validate themselves before 
others. Because that's exactly what happens when we try to base our salvation on the law. You see, here's what happens. We think that we can be good enough to make it to heaven. There will be times when we realize that there's something wrong with us. And that there's probably something in me that's not good enough for God to accept me. And we know what that is. It's sin. It's a failure to keep the law. So then we have to try to validate ourselves by pointing even even more so to our good works and holding them up for ourselves and others to see to try to cause ourselves, others, and even God to overlook all the sin that we really know is there in our hearts. It's a vicious cycle that takes place. This hypocrisy leading to self-validation is the opposite of the true gospel. And these Judaizers were trying to validate themselves by boasting in how many people they had circumcised. They were trusting in their human achievements to validate themselves before not only their peers, but before God. And this is exactly the trap that we'll fall into if we think that somehow our good works are enough. Because, you see, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that there's sin in our hearts. And we know that sin separates us from a holy God. But if we're too prideful to say, Jesus, I can't do it. I need you to save me. Then we'll just keep going back to those good works trying to validate ourselves based on the good that we think we have done. If you're trusting in your good works and you'll constantly point to what you've done and try to give you confidence in your salvation. And now, you probably won't be saying, hey, look how many people I've circumcised, like these Judaizers were saying. But maybe you would say something like this. Hey, look at how many years I've been a church member. Hey, look at how many people I've invited to church. Hey, look at how many years I had perfect attendance at Sunday school. Hey, look how many times I read the Bible. Hey, look how many years I sang in the choir. Hey, look how much money I gave to the church. Hey, look how many mission trips I went on. Do you notice the theme in all of that? I, 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 I. It's all about me. It's all about you. And now, unlike the circumcision the false teachers were boasting in, which is completely unnecessary, as Paul's going to say in verse 15, these things that I just mentioned as possible examples of the pride in our hearts, many of those things are actually good things. And they're things that we should be doing as Christians. However, if we are pointing to these things that we have done, no matter how good they are, as validation that we belong to God, if we're pointing to our own good works to distract from our bad works so that we can validate ourselves before others and before God, we have missed the true gospel of Jesus. The false gospel of works is all about me. The gospel of grace is all about Jesus. A works-based salvation puts all the emphasis on what you can do, which leads to boasting about what you have done. And when you begin to see that you fall short, you then have to try to validate yourself by focusing even more attention on your own works. And all of that just leads to eternal death. But instead of self-validation, Jesus calls us to the cross. Jesus calls us to the cross. Jesus says, you cannot save yourself. 
You can't do enough good things to distract God from your sin. He sees it and he knows it. In fact, you can't do anything good apart from the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Applied to your life through your faith in me, Jesus would say. He would say, I paid the price for your sin. So if you will trust in me, the Spirit of God will transform your heart. And then you will seek to obey me in such a way that people are pointed to the cross when they see your good works rather than being pointed to you. Instead of boasting in your flesh, you will boast in the cross, which is exactly where Paul turns to next in these closing verses of Galatians. And that's the second kind of boasting that we'll look at next week. But before we close, just scan your eyes back over verses 12 and 13. Think about this self-promotion, this self-preservation, this self-validation. Do you see a common denominator here between these things which expose a works-based boasting in the flesh gospel? The focus, the common denominator, is, on, is, is, is that the external is focused on to the, to the neglect of the internal. The false teachers are focused on what others think about them. The false teachers are focused on changing an external part of the Galatians through circumcision. The false teachers are focused on keeping their external bodies from physical harm all the while. And here's the danger. All the while, their hearts and the hearts of those who follow their teaching remain unchanged. This focus on the eternal to the neglect of the internal is at the heart of a workspace salvation. A workspace salvation denies the fact that our hearts are so messed up and wicked that the only means of rescue is for God to show up and resurrect our hearts to new life by His grace and not our works. Scripture says that our hearts are deceitful above all else. We need an inside change to take place. And it's a change that we cannot bring about on our own. You see, what we really need is inward transformation that then results in outward obedience. If we start with the outward obedience without first experiencing the inward transformation, then we remain dead in our sin. Even if it looks like we kind of cleaned up our act a little bit. Listen closely. The true gospel of salvation by grace is concerned with a spirit-wrought inward transformation expressing itself outwardly, whereas the false gospel of salvation by human effort is concerned with outward conformity to rules with no change inwardly. Can I tell you that not one person will step into God's glory in heaven without their heart having been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's this false gospel that Paul has warned against in this letter. It's what he warns against as he takes the pen in his own hand to conclude his letter to the Galatians. And it's what you and I must be warned against today. Paul gives a similar warning in Philippians 3 where he writes this. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about these Judaizers. 
For we are the circumcision. And he uses that phrase, the circumcision, to refer to the people of God. We are the real people of God who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in who? Ourselves and what we've done? No. And glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. See, this is what it boils down to. Are you putting confidence in the flesh? The false teachers were, and they were warning the Galatians to do the same. But there's no confidence in salvation when I'm banking on what I have done. There's only confidence in salvation when I'm banking on what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Are you trusting in your flesh today? Or are you trusting in Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus alone for salvation? Or is your self-promotion, your self-preservation, your self-validation exposing a heart that is boasting in your flesh, a flesh that is unable to save your soul? If that's you, if that's you today, then here's, here's, here's my plea for you. Lay aside your pride. Lay it aside with the help of the Spirit of God, and say, I can't do it. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ today. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Christian, have you been tempted to boast in your flesh this week? I have. I have. Even driving here this morning, I was thinking about these verses, and the Holy Spirit convicted my heart of a way that I think this past week I've been tempted to boast in my own works. And it hurts. It hurts when the Spirit of God convicts us of that. But you know what? There's a Savior who's ready to forgive if we will just repent of that and look back to the cross. So if today, Christian, You've been convicted of boasting in your flesh in some way. Repent of that. And fix your eyes on the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you are truthful in all that you say. And Father, even though sometimes it's hard to hear, it's hard to grasp, um, and want to accept these truths because sometimes they convict us. Father, it's so so much easier for us to read verses like this and think about other people and say, oh, I, I hope that this person is listening. Oh, I hope that that person is listening. They sure do boast in their flesh a lot. But Father, really, we need to be thinking about ourselves. Each one of us. Father, would you expose any boasting in the flesh in my heart today? Father, if there's someone here who has been in some way banking on their own works to secure them an eternal place with you, Father, I pray that today they would see that that is a, a futile effort. Father, that that is completely opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that they would turn to Christ and trust in Him for salvation. Trusting in Him and Him alone. 
Father, for the Christian in here who may be convicted of boasting in the flesh this week. Father, it's so easy for us to do. It's part of that battle between the flesh and the Spirit. Father, help us. Help us not to put any confidence in the flesh. Father, because we're broken people. And our only hope, our only hope, is the transforming work of Your Spirit in us. As Your Spirit applies the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross to our sinful and wicked hearts. And so our boast is Jesus. And it's in His name we pray.